everyone. Glad you can uh, be with us here this morning. Uh, you can see I got my coronavirus friend here. Uh, this one is completely safe. I can be uh, a little closer to him and not have to worry about giving him anything and for him to give me something. But actually, I'm going to use him as a prop a little bit later, but uh, introduce to you a few few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, uh, we called him Abe. Today, we're going to change his name. So you'll have to kind of wipe that out of your mind and we're going to change his name. But we are continuing our series in Romans uh, part two. We've already gone through the first four chapters. We're in chapter five now, and we're going to go into peace. Before, we were talking about guilt and the fact that we're all sinners and we're all guilty. Now, we're going to talk about how we all have peace and that peace is in Christ. And so uh, last week, Pastor Luke started us off and did a great job just introducing us into the first 11 verses of chapter 5 and really launched this whole section of peace. And so we're going to be, be di- diving in more into chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8. Excited to go through this section. I, this is a, a fantastic piece of scripture for us to go through, and, and I hope you enjoy and are excited about it too. Well, as always, uh, as we've gone through Romans anyhow, we have this text, your question. So if you'd like to, go ahead and and take a picture of that if you don't have the number already. And as the the sermon or the message goes along, if you want to ask a question, you can text your question to that number. And if we have time here at the end, we'll go through some of those questions and those we can't get to. uh, We will make a video this week. Pastor Luke and I will sit down and we'll go through those questions and and try to answer those. Uh, Some of those those are, we've noticed, questions that, that are addressed here in Romans. So as we continue through Romans, some of them will be answered, and we'll, we'll tell you that at times, like, well, you know what, we're going to talk about that in chapter 9 or chapter 8 or something like that. And so uh, they will be answered more as time goes by. Well, let's get to what we're talking about today, chapter 5, 12 through 21. Steve Jobs said that death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. Um, Steve Jobs, the uh, creator, starter, beginner of Macintosh, some might know it better as Apple now, uh, has passed here recently, but he is quoted with saying, death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. He's absolutely right in that. That is a true statement. Whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, you know that statement's true. It doesn't matter if you have faith. If you believe in a religion or any type of, of faith out there, you know that that statement is true. If you're an evolutionist, an atheist, you know that that statement is true. No one will escape it. But he doesn't end there. He actually says one more thing. He says, and that it, as, uh, that it is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. Words from an inventor himself. Death is very likely the single best invention of life. And I would disagree with that statement. Because death is not an invention Death is the result of sin and the curse. And we're going to take a look at that as we move forward in this passage today. Romans chapter 5 deals with the question of death. Why is there death? And how is that related to sin? And then how can we have peace in a world that there is so much death in? 
So I was kind of roaming around on the web, and I found uh, just an unknown uh, author had a research question, and she was trying to get some feedback from people, and this is what she said. Why are we afraid of death? Are we afraid because there is a fear inside us that we won't be able to do everything we want to do before we die? Or is there an instinct inside us to be naturally afraid of death? Or maybe are we afraid of it because something it's something that is unknown? Um, I think the question, and there may be several questions that follow this idea of fear, but ultimately it comes back to why are we afraid of death? Is that why people are not at peace? Because there is death. Pastor Luke started off with this verse last week, Romans 5.1. It says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he starts with a therefore, and it goes back into the last four chapters, all the sin that we've talked about and the fact that we're guilty. And then he ends with chapter five, 4, talking about Christ and how he's given us this justification, this righteousness. We're declared righteous by faith faith. He says even a little bit later, verse 9, how much more, or if you look at the Greek, it's, it's more like this, much more therefore. It's kind of a building. Therefore, we've been justified. How much more therefore, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will be saved through, his, through him from wrath. In other words, there's a, there's a punishment to be given, but God has saved us from that. How much more do you want to be saved from? That's the greatest thing to be saved from, and so that's the point he's making there. Much more, therefore, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. Well, how do you have peace in a world where there's death? And that's what he goes into now in chapters 12 through 21. He's given us a little bit more knowledge, and he's telling us about grace, and he's telling us about death, and he's talking about sin, and he's talking about justification, and he brings all these concepts together, and he talks about two men in the process. He talks about a guy named Adam and a guy named Jesus. And both of them have brought something to this world. Both of them have made an impact on this world. And so as we look at history and we look at the background and we look at what the Bible teaches, we're going to bring these two concepts together in these short verses and talk about how each one of them, if you are with Christ, you have peace. And if you're without Christ, you are afraid of death. That's what we want to talk about. So, Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. Let's take a look at these together. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. Now we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3. So up here today I have who was formerly Abe, is now going to step back a few years and be Adam. Okay? So this is now Adam, and I didn't, I didn't make an Eve, but it would have probably been good to have two here, Adam and Eve together. But we're just going to go with Adam for right now, because that's who Paul's going to be talking about. Okay? So Adam was the one that sin entered this world through. And you go back to Genesis chapter 3, which is an incredible 
passage, incredible chapter. In fact, if you want to know more about death, you want to know more about sin and how sin came into the world and how death came into the world, read Genesis chapter 3. It's a pivotal point in Scripture, and it happens in the first three chapters, creation and then the fall. And in there, you read about Adam and how Adam was told not to go and eat of a fruit. One tree, one tree in the entire garden where God had made this incredible garden. People could go and they could eat, you know, ripened free or tree ripened fruit and, and fresh vegetables out of the ground. And, and there's one place, God said, there's one tree, Adam, that you can't eat out of or eat from. Well, you know how that works, right, with us. When we're told we can do all these things and then there's one thing you can't do. And Satan capitalizes on that, and he comes to Eve, and he says, Eve, you know, that, that fruit looks really good. And she takes it and bites of it and eats it, and then she hands it, it says, to Adam, her husband, who is standing next to her. And he takes it, it looks good in his eyes, and he eats it. And at that moment, sin and death comes into the world. Therefore, just as sin into the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people. Now, we're in this time period where we're talking about a pandemic and things are spreading uh, in, a, in a contagious way from one person to the next. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is when Adam and Eve sinned and then they had a child, it spread to that child. And when that child went and had another child with someone else, this spread to them and it has happened from generation to generation. And sin has had an impact on this world. It spread to all people. There were not some that are able to escape it, like some will be able to escape COVID-19. All will be affected by sin because all sinned. Verse 13, in fact, sin was in the world before the law. And the significance of that is for the Jews who were listening and knew that they had the law from Moses. And they could say, oh, we understand now. You're talking about the fact that there was sin before Moses wrote the law. But why do we have the law? Well, sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law, he goes on to say. And so the law was given so you had to have a judge. And that judge was to be able to say, yes, this is wrong. And here's why. Because the Bible says, or God says, do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet. Oh, so we have the law to point out that we're sinners. That's what he's talking about there in verse 13. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Before Moses and before he wrote the law, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is the type of the coming one. So there he mentions Adam, and he talks about how he's a type of the one who is to come, who is Jesus Christ that he's talking about there. He says Adam is a type. Now, the point goes back to the simple fact that Adam, in Adam, there was a great impact on the world. And in Christ, there was a great impact on the world. But the gift is not like the trespass. There is some difference. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to point back now. I almost pointed that in there. I'm going to point back to, to the cross. So I don't know if in the video how well this works. Maybe I'm going to bump him back a little bit. Might bump us off the stage a little bit. But Oh, my hand. He's waving to you guys. Just so you know. There you go. All right. So, we have Jesus, okay, we're going to point to the cross there. 
is the one man where grace comes from, the gift comes from. So if by one man's trespass the many died, Adam brings trespass and many died, how much more the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. So when Adam sinned, many people were condemned, but all of the sin put Jesus onto the cross So that when Jesus was on the cross, he could then give grace to cover everybody's sin. Verse 17, since by one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So it gets a little confusing there. And you start to see this back and forth. And what we're, we're kind of describing, or what he's describing here, we, we categorize and say kind of this, that there's a substitutionary atonement that's taking place here. Adam, when Adam sinned, he brought death, he brought sin into the world. And when Christ went to the cross, he took the, the sin, not only of us, but all the sins of the world. He, he, he came and he goes to the cross and he pays for that price. And anybody who places their faith in Jesus Christ has now received his righteousness upon himself. There's a substitute. Adam brought sin, and the consequence to sin is death, and that, that death is both a spiritual death and a physical death. When Jesus comes, he brings righteousness and he brings eternal life and that life restores people back into a right relationship with God the Father and it gives people eternal life, a spiritual life and an eternal life. Both of those things. So then, verse 18, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. If you're there and you have your Bible open, or maybe you have an app where you can highlight, highlight that verse. It's an amazing verse, both verses 20 and 21. Let me read that again. The law came along to multiply the trespass. In other words, the law demonstrated how bad we really are, and it showed that there was sin. And then it multiplied even more to a point when Jesus walked on the earth, people were using the law to actually oppress other people. They were using it to control other people. And Jesus, when he walks on the scene, he talks to the Pharisee, and he talks to the scribe, and he talks to the religious leaders, and he calls them all kinds of, what we would say, mean things, whitewashed tombs, pretenders, hypocrites. And he calls them out on it, and he says, you use the law for yourself, and you've condemned other people. Where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. It's amazing that God forgives us. He loves us. He cares for us. He will forgive 
what Paul would say is the worst of sinners. He himself said that. The one who put Christians into jail, the one who watched as Christians died right before his very own eyes, and he persecuted them and killed some of them. He said, Christ would forgive me. He would love me. He would forgive me. It's an amazing thing that not only... Not only can trespass multiply because of our sinfulness, but grace can be multiplied even more. Verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, uh, we're going to, Quickly skip forward if you want to. You can go to Romans chapter 8, an incredible passage. Read the end of it. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where sin multiplies, grace multiplies even more. Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, and that it will result in eternal life. There's something amazing there about this word, eternal life. It's not that it's something that you're going to get. It's something that you already have when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, I'm still going to die physically. Yes, absolutely. But your life spiritually is connected with God, and now that it's connected with God, it will never go away. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's eternal the moment you place your faith in Christ. But what about physical death? Well, there's still that. Well, I want to give you, a, a, I think, a, a diagram that maybe helps show the contrast between the characters uh, of, of Adam and the character of Christ. And so this is an interesting diagram I found that somebody had already produced, and, and I took it. I, I kind of find it interesting because I think Adam's over there doing kind of a funny dance move, maybe. And, uh, and then Jesus is standing there with a, a glowing head, which, you know, is, is somewhat typical. Common people do that. Jesus, when he walked on the earth, didn't have a glowing head. You should probably know that, or a halo around it, or anything like that. So, anyhow, that, that shows you the green is at, representing Adam, and the blue is representing Jesus. Here's what it talks about. Adam brought sin into the world. Jesus gives people victory over sin. Many died because of Adam's sin. In fact, all died because of Adam's sin, uh, and the sin that we have, and we do on our own as well, but, but he started it. It originated with him. Jesus, many live because of Jesus' grace. He offers that grace and that pays for sin. Adam's sin results in condemnation. To be judged, there's going to be wrath poured out. You're going to have to pay for your own sin. But Jesus' death results in justification. You've been restored and you've now been declared righteous. So when God the Father, the judge, looks at you, he says, you are righteous. You are righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done. Adam's disobedience brings sin to many. Jesus' obedience brings righteousness to many. Adam started the fall. Jesus comes and gives his righteousness and declares many righteous. Adam's sin reigns in death. Jesus' grace reigns to bring eternal life. 
So there's your, your comparison. There's your contrast as you go through these verses. And you can find some other tables out there. In fact, if you were just to look up Romans 5, 12, 21, you'll probably find many more tables out there that show you some comparison. This one was, was fairly simple, but I think it's a good one just to kind of simply break down and go, look at what he's doing here. Look what Paul's doing here and how he compares the two. Well, as we go forward, I just want to kind of summarize and talk a little bit about the power of sin and then the power of grace and how it impacts and affects each one of us. The power of sin brings spiritual death. We talked a little bit about that already in Genesis chapter 3. It also brings physical death. So there's two types of death that are talked about here. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't die physically. However, their bodies did begin to go into kind of more of that death cycle at that point. Before that, everything continued to live. And there was peace, and they had a relationship with God. But once the fall happened, and once sin came into the world, death began, that cycle began. Now, they didn't physically die right away, but spiritually they were cut off from God. In fact, when God shows up, when you read about it, God's looking for them. God would walk with them, and they were hiding from God. And they were hiding because they were in sin. And so that spiritual separation, that spiritual death took place the moment that they sinned. And that's, that's the impact that sin has on every single person who's ever been born. There's a spiritual death and physical death. Now, one thing about physical death I think that's important to bring out here is that when people struggle with this concept of death, I get asked this question quite a bit, like if, if a young person especially, maybe a three-year-old, or a 10-year-old, but a 3-year-old, maybe they pass, they get cancer, and they go through, and they're sick, and people are like, why? What happened? Did they do something? Did their parents do something? In fact, that was a question that was asked of Jesus when he walked upon the earth. Is this, is this child sick because their parents did something? And Jesus is like, no, you guys don't get it. You see, the reason that there's sickness, the reason that there's disease, the reason that there's cancer, the reason the coronavirus is out there is not because the community in China, even though we want to play the blame game and say, oh, it's all because of them or of something else, the reason these things are there is because sin is in the world. Before sin, there was no death. Now, you can't point to that group of people and say, well, they must have been a sinful people. The reality is, it's just because sin is in the world. When a three-year-old contracts cancer, and they go through, and they fight it, and then they sick, and they eventually die, it's not because that three-year-old had a specific sin in their life that they were unrepentant of. It's because that three-year-old lives in a sinful world. And that's what sin does. It produces a world of death. It's not very uplifting, is it? But that's the reality. Some things have to just be said and be brutally honest. And that's what Paul's doing here. Well, there's another side to sin, and that's for the believer. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, you have eternal life. Yes, you have this relationship, and you've been born again, and you have this restored and reconciled relationship with God the Father, but you have a battle. And so I want to call this the believer's battle, and that is we still have this flesh and this sinfulness in our lives. We still have temptation that's out there, but we want to follow Christ in the midst of it. 
James 1, 13 to 15, it talks about how this works. It says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he was drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And James gives a process here, and he talks about our flesh, and he says our flesh has these desires, and at a moment we can say no, I'm going to say no to those desires, but oftentimes we give in. Part of our maturity is to hopefully give in less as we grow. But we give in to those desires, and when those desires conceive, it then moves forward into the next step, and we go ahead and we walk through and we say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do what God says is wrong. And if you let it continue to grow and you don't deal with it, it produces more and more of a separation. And I think possibly here James is even saying if you let it go and if you're a believer and a follower in Christ, there may even be death to follow it because you're living in that sin and God's going to cast a judgment out upon it. I don't think he's saying I'm going to take away your spiritual, eternal life, but there may be death that follows if you continue to live in that sin. The battle we have, Paul, Peter talk about it, about Satan and how Satan will uh, tempt us at times and how he'll throw fiery darts, how we have an armor that we're supposed to put on to go out and have the spiritual battle, how Satan is like a, a roaring lion, lion, as Peter says it, and he's looking for us. He's looking for people to devour at just the right time. It's a battle we all have. And we can allow sin to have a stronger foothold into our life than it needs to be. Or, when those desires come, we can shut it down and say, no, I'm going to follow God. And be like Jesus. Use Scripture. Go back to His Word. Go back to His truth. And follow Him. What about the power of grace? The power of death gave us spiritual death, gave us physical death. And there's a continual battle we have. The power of grace gives us spiritual life. Reconciled, verse 11, talks about that. I'll just read it really quick here. Romans 5.11, it says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Now we have received this reconciliation through him. That means we've been reconciled. Before we were, we were set apart or we were separated, uh, we, we, we did not have a relationship with him, and now we've been brought back together with him through faith in Jesus Christ because he's declared us righteous. And look at these next two. We also have eternal life. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have, this is really important, have, present tense, eternal life. Not get eternal life when you die, but when you place your faith, you will have eternal life. That's what grace gives us right now. And it gives us a sanctification process. For by one offering he has perfected, the offering is Jesus Christ, has perfected forever those who are sanctified. And the idea of sanctified is those who are maturing, those who are growing. It's by God's grace that he doesn't just say, okay, here, I'll save you, and then the moment you sin, I'm just going to wipe you out. Instead, he saves us, he sees us sin, and he says, I'm going to still work with you. I'm going to be patient with you. 
I'm going to grow you. I'm going to mature you. I'm going to help you along. And so he does. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Death came through Adam. But the good news is life comes through Christ. And that life is eternal. So a few years back, um, I, was, I was working on a, a guy's boat, and I got my hand down into an engine compartment. And uh, to kind of make a long story short, I had a, I had a metal watch on, and I got it in a spot where it arced across from the motor to the starter, positive terminal, and it burned a hole right in my, the, my arm, my wrist right here. And it was, it was kind of ugly, and I was like, oh, I was trying to get my watch off and everything, and, and it went, went through a couple weeks, maybe a little bit longer, and it, it started to get to a point, it burned really deep, and it started to get to a point where it started getting pretty ugly looking, like smelly and, you know, different colors and those types of things. And, uh, and so I was, I was trying to treat it at home, take care of it, and do all those types of things. And, uh, and then I got, I got really sick. In fact, probably, probably the most sick I think I've been in my life where I just, I got to a point where I was so weak, I couldn't move. And so I, I told Rebecca, I was like, I think I need to go in. I don't know if this thing, it started turning like colors around it. And I'm like, I think it might have gotten infected. And I think it might have gotten into my body. And maybe I'm getting more like septic at this point. So it might be at a time where I should go in. And, and talk to somebody. So we go into urgent care, and I sit down, and the doctor comes in, and this doctor, she demonstrated to me a person who did not have very good bedside manners, I would say. But she walks in, and she looks at me, and she asks me a few questions. She looks at my arm. She looks right at me, and she goes, You're, you mean to tell me that you came in here for just a virus, but you never came in for your arm? And I'm like, well, I'm coming in from my arm right now. What are you talking about? And she goes, pretty much, and you can ask my wife this. She didn't say it this way, but basically the feeling I got was, you're an idiot. And, and to be honest, she was, she was kind of right. I, I should have came in earlier. I should have treated it and all that. And then she proceeds and says, this is what you need to do to your arm. You're, you're fine. The, it's not infected in your body. She just took a look at me. She's like, you're not infected. You're fine. But here's what you do need to do. You need to take your arm. She goes over to the sink, and she puts it underwater, and she starts scrubbing it. Puts soap and water in it. Starts scrubbing it some more. I'm like, ow, this hurts. She's like, you need to do this three times a day. And then you need to put this stuff on top of it, an ointment, and eventually it'll heal, and you're going to be fine. And then that was pretty much it. She's like, you're, you're done. Just, like, get out of here, kind of thing. And I, I'm like, oh, wow. That, was, that, that made me feel good, right? Um, no, it didn't. But, but you know what? She was, she was telling me the truth. And that's kind of the way I look at this passage when I read through it. And you look at death and you look at life. And Paul here is not pulling any punches. He's just simply saying, listen, sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, death came with it. And you just need to realize that. I know that's the ugly side of it, but that's the way it is. Some things happen. Some things are really bad. Some things take place in life. I don't understand why. I don't understand why some people get cancer and some people don't. I don't understand why death has created some people to have a disease that they're going to live with for the rest of their life and some people don't. I I don't understand that. Um, 
Rebecca and I, we've talked about this. It, we don't understand. We've had six kids. The pregnancies have gone pretty well. We haven't really had much of an issue that way. Uh, some people have a hard time getting pregnant. Some people have lost multiple children. And it's painful and it's hard. I don't know why that happens to some and why it doesn't to others. But that's the result of sin in the world. But the good news and the great news is that Christ brings eternal life. Verse 21. It comes through him. So, your knowledge of grace ought to bring peace. Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead and with his resurrection is able to bring you up from death and conquer death? If yes, you have peace. If no, then you're probably living with some tension. You're probably not living with peace. So think about that. And where are you? Secondly, do you believe the greatest peace anyone can have is to know Jesus? If you do, here's what I'd like to do to try to make this more interactive. I've mean, got a few faces here, which is really comforting. I know Luke had talked about that. So thank you guys for hanging out here and smiling and trying to laugh at some of my ridiculous jokes. But here's what you can do to kind of provide some more interaction. Post on our Facebook page what you are doing to help your neighbors and friends see and hear the good news about Jesus. What are you doing right now? I think this could be really encouraging for all of us. You can uh, hashtag that, tag us, uh, tag Involved Church, um, so we can see those, make sure we get them. But if you could do that, that would, be, that would be really encouraging. What are you doing? I mean, maybe it's even just, you know, go put some toilet paper on somebody's doorstep and Jesus loves you. I don't, I don't know. But maybe there's something out there that you can do to encourage your neighbors and your friends and help people hear and see the good news about Jesus. So think about those things. Please respond, and we're going to come back. We'll answer a few questions, and then we'll be able to close our worship service with a song. I want to walk with you, Jesus Feel your presence And know you're near I want to see you, Jesus Move in power And cast out fear I need to hear you now I need to know it's you Standing on your promises I know your word is true You're bigger than what I see It's you in exchange for me Cause even the impossible Can be reality Jesus, I believe Jesus, I believe I want to say what you're saying 
Taking life to what is dead And I want to cling to you, Jesus Ooh, Hanging on your every breath I need to hear you now I need to know it's you I'm standing on your promises I know your words are true You're bigger than what I see And it's you in exchange for me Well, hey, thanks for a great message, Ryan. Um, Fantastic passage of scripture. So we'll go ahead and answer some questions. We are doing that here through our uh, second Romans mini-series. It seems like there are quite a few, and so um, hopefully they're helpful as we're trying to answer them. If we don't get to it today, we will go ahead and continue putting that out Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. at live.involvechurch.com and on Facebook. Um, If you have not uh, sent in your question yet, feel free to do so at that phone number that's on the screen. Uh, there's a question uh, that doesn't pertain to the text. I'm going to okay. go ahead and address it real quick. Sounds good. Um, and it's just a part of the life of our church. You may or may not know that a church has been meeting in this building on Sunday mornings. Uh, it's it's Hispanic church plant, and its name is El Tesoro. Um, the the uh, planter who has led that, his name is Kirk McKeith. And, uh, and the question was, what are we doing to help them through this time? Uh, are we, is there like some like tech help that we can give them to help get some stuff out there. And, uh, and so I just wanted to say that um, the, the offer is out there, um, yep. and, um, and yep. we've talked with Kirk about that and ways that we can partner together in that way. But something that's really cool, first off, I really appreciate the question because yep. it, yep. Shows, it shows the heart um, that our church has for um, not just our church, but other yep. churches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that, that particular church is not able to meet here right now, obviously, uh, and so... Um, but, uh, something cool that I've seen on social media and you've probably seen it too, Ryan, is that there are a lot of churches that are reaching out to one another and saying, Hey, uh, if there's any help you need in recording your sermon for Sunday morning, feel free to do that. And so, um, so, but if you, if you happen to know of maybe a pastor or a church leader, or maybe you're watching this today and you need some help with that, feel free to, to reach out to us. We would love to help you with that. Um, Obviously, we've got a lot going on ourselves, too, yeah. but, but, I mean, we're the big church together, so uh, we would love to help you. So, yep. that said, um, let's go ahead and dive into some right. questions Sounds as it pertain, pertains to the passage here today. So, uh, the first one is this. What is the significance of sin coming through Adam when Eve is the first human to sin? All right. Okay. I'll have to find out who asked that question so I can get I can, after him. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that one goes back to, you know, God created, there's, a, there's an order in his creation. He created Adam. Uh, he formed him out of the dust. Uh, he told, if you, even if you look at the, the story, he told Adam, I think even before Eve was around, he told Adam not to eat of that. And so uh, it was Adam's responsibility to name all the animals. It was Adam's responsibility in that case to make sure that sin did not enter the world or not to take of the fruit. And so it was Adam's responsibility. God holds him responsible since he was the first created uh, and he was the head of, of that household, if you will, I mean, Adam and Eve, to say, no, this is, this is wrong. And so God holds him responsible. Um, and even here in Romans 5, 
that I think that that is made evident again because yeah, like like you pointed out, it's not Eve that's held responsible; it's Adam. So right. that was God's plan. Yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. cool. Yeah, I don't know. Not if, really it, that cool. It's not yeah. really sad. But. I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. Um, very good. So the second question: There are things that happen because of personal sin, like losing your job because of laziness or something. How do you know? So here's the question. How do you know if you are under God's discipline and need to learn from something sure. or if you're just going through a hard time because there's just sin in the world? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and certainly I think that follows up well with what we're talking about here. Um, and I didn't go into it, but I do think God makes it clear. He disciplines those he loves. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if it's just the result of common general sin or whether it's a specific sin? And I, I think... The first thing is to be so in tune. If you're walking with God and he brings that to your mind, then I think you, you, know, you, you go, okay, God has brought this up. Like maybe my laziness is what caused, like the one that was used there. Maybe my laziness has caused me to lose this job. That wasn't the result of a fallen world. That was the result of, of me, myself, and what I did. Yeah. And so I think God brings that to the surface. The other thing to do in a, in a time like that, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, is there something specific that I've done? Um, pray yeah. and ask God. Yeah. I mean, very specifically, Lord, is there something that you're trying to reveal to me right now? Yeah. Um, when, when David committed sin, you know, he, he brought that before the Lord. But there are other times when he also comes and says, I've come to you with a pure heart. So he had already gone through and, and noticed, no, I've been doing what the Lord wants me to do, and still there's sin there. So, uh, or there, wasn't, there was still trial and conflict, not sin. So I think um, your relationship with God is where it matters. And then thirdly, uh, accountability. So, you, you know, that's why we have the church, why we have the body of Christ. And, and hopefully you have someone that can come around you and say, you know, maybe one of the reasons right now you're being disciplined is because of this area of sin. Mm-hmm. So... So if God brings it up, then, then I think that that's probably the most obvious one, yeah. if he lays it on your heart. Secondly, pray, ask him, and third, have accountability from others. It just seems like in the world today um, that our default mode is like this victim mentality. And yeah. so, uh, I, so. I, I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Um, well, hey, God, this woman you gave me, Right. You know, she's the reason that I sin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. she gave me the fruit um, rather than taking the responsibility. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think our default mode hopefully needs to be, Lord, sift my heart. Will you search me? Is there any way in me that is not of you that is sinful? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So just like you're saying. So. Correct, yeah. Well, that is, Great. That, those are all the questions. If you do have any more, feel free to yeah. go ahead and send them in, and we will address Perfect. them this Thursday. So, Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Great. Um, at this point, we're going to transition to a time of worship. Um, I just want to say something as we're doing that and as the worship team is coming up. Uh, this month, I think this is a testimony to um, where we place our, uh, our faith and our hope, and it's not in finances. Uh, this month, the giving for our 